talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff. It's been a while, but we're back in 2019 and uh, I'll be so- I'm solo again this time around. Nick H unfortunately cannot make it because he's currently watching his favourite band live. So Nick, I really hope you enjoy Little Mix. I've heard a lot about them. I hear they're a fantastic band to watch live. Please tell me all about it. But anyway, on to our first podcast for the year, and we journey west to WA. So this weekend marks the beginning of the Pacific Showcase of Global Rapid Rugby, uh, the new competition organised by the likes of Twiggy and company, as well as the Western Force, and uh, now with in association with Rugby Australia. So earlier today, I sat down with um, Global Rapid Rugby's head of rugby, um, Maddie Hodgson, to talk about the showcases that they've had, the Asian Showcase, which finished last week, the Pacific Showcase, which is starting this weekend, Global Rapid Rugby in general, and where this competition will fit into the future of Australian rugby. Please enjoy. Okay, so joining us on the dropped kickoff this afternoon is the head of rugby at at, uh, Global Rapid Rugby, Wallaby Star and Western Force legend, Maddie Hodgson, Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, you mate? Good, lovely to have you here this Friday afternoon. Um, so yeah, for context, everyone, we're recording this on the 17th on Friday afternoon, so one day before the launch of the um, Pacific Showcase in Suva tomorrow, which will feature the uh, the first matches of the, which will be the Fijian team, the Fijian Latui versus Kagiyeva Samoa. Correct, uh, please correct me if I'm, spell- if I'm pronouncing that wrong tomorrow. Um, so, just to start off, Matt, I wanted to talk about the, the previous showcase that just finished. So, the Force claimed that showcase with a clean sweep of the South China Tigers and the Asia Pacific Dragons. Um, for your, from your perspective as the head of rugby, considering you know it is a new product within the Aussie rag, rugby landscape, in your mindset, was this first Asian showcase a success? Um. Definitely, I think um, bringing the game um, professional home and away type series to Asia has never been done before, so it's exciting to actually start running and get um, games out in Hong Kong, Singapore and also Perth. Um, obviously, a lot of learnings out of it and a lot of improvements for next year, but I think having crowds of around 2,000 at each game um, that wouldn't have seen rugby before are definitely not um, 15-a-side rugby quite often in, in a full professional tournament. I can say that's been a success and um, a lot of talent and individuals and also team efforts on the field has been uh, very exciting to watch. Yeah, and it's, it is you know, unique for that, you know, for that showcase specifically because you are marketing to people who are, you know, rugby is very much a, something that is, is quite new to them. I mean, coming from the force specifically, I know it's been, a, you know, an interesting couple of years for you. Going into the, these, the showcases that you're doing this year, what were the, the key objectives that you were kind of looking for? Uh, with these showcases, what, what and what kind of were the measures for success? Was it just about the product, or was it more about you know how people react to it? 
Um, a combination of, of many things. Obviously, we planned this out, obviously, last year with the Western Force having seven home games and focusing on a, a Perth-centric market um, to get rugby in Perth after losing the licence of, of Super Rugby. That was at goal one, and we thought through the success and, and what we achieved in that would um, take the product overseas, and that's both into the Pacific and into Asia. Um, obviously, a lot difficult and a, a lot of new ground going into Asia so we, we launched there first working with Hong Kong Union and also Singapore Rugby Union um, and to create a um, a tournament type of, of contest where it's actually a home and away and you're actually playing for points on the table uh, was was step two and then obviously next step is to launch it into a full to combining both together to have a full home and away competition so from that point of view I, I think we've, we've achieved that and, and got, got the tick there um, from on the field playing was to get minutes into to the Western Force and create a pathway for the, the Western Force players I think if we look at last game we had had over 10 locals um, mm. achieving their dream to, to coming from junior rugby here to play for their state and represent Western Australia, um, not only in Perth but abroad. So, again, another tick. And then from the actual rugby quality itself, I think um, that's going to grow over time um, as we, we grow the competition. But some small stats that we thought were successful was um, reducing the amount of um, sort of line-outs within games. So we're averaging 10 less line-outs per game um, than Super Rugby at the moment. Um, and then what we're trying to do is try and increase that speed um, during the game. Obviously, what we've done in, in the first half of games has been pretty exciting, and now we've got to try and emulate that back in, in the second half of games, which I think you'll probably see more in, in the Pacific because it's a more rugby market and uh, more rug, a professional rugby environment that we're working in now. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you 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 touch on the showcase that's happening this weekend because obviously the the South China Tigers and Asia Pacific Dragons are still are very much teams located in a in a growing rugby market. But I mean, this weekend's showcase that's starting there's three teams you know for the force that from and then Fiji and Samoa that come from countries and regions that have a much more established following within rugby. So are you confident, you know, obviously the, the, uh, that it will translate not only, obviously there'll be more, they talk about more engagement with the competition off the field as well as, are you confident about more competitiveness on the field? Um, yeah, I think if you look at all the games in Asia, I think you see the first half as being competitive, um, even down to the game, last game against APD where it was a, a more traditional scoreline of a 7-3, a, a tough defensive tough game, but um, in the back end where we go to the Pacific, it's the rugby product is where I'm putting a lot of um, revision and review into um, and hopefully we can scope the game to, to grow and evolve. So that's where um, I get a lot of stats and evidence that the product is actually working because this game is designed around that type of play. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, and, you know, with, talking about, because you, you, you'd mentioned earlier that about the force being cut and, and how it has been a, a very unique couple of years in the history of rugby in, uh, in WA in general. Um, it's seen a lot of iterations and changes. You know, because obviously you mentioned earlier last year we had the exhibition matches and the force also playing in the NRC. And this year um, we've had the Asian and Pacific showcases. So in terms of kind of looking forward, um, you've mentioned how you want this to kind of become uh, like a, a home, a normal, like a home and away competition. In, in terms of kind of timelines and, and where you want to go, where do you, where do you want to go with Rapid Rugby? What is the, the direction of this competition? 
um, obviously the the pinnacle goal is to be a premier rugby union um, tournament um, out through the Asia Pacific region. Um, we're we're aiming for the top. Obviously, we're going to learn things along the way and progress. Um, but what we've got to do is learn to walk before we run and slowly get it right. And, sort of control the controllables and what we're doing is controlling time zones and travel distance uh, and getting that area right from a player welfare side of view um, and then slowly evolve over time by in- increasing um, the professionalism of each ta- each team I think um, Fiji um, have been crying out to enter into a professional league for a long time uh, Western tra- Western Force or Western Australia have the, the quality now after putting 10 to 15 years into our development program and you see that now with our representations at, at junior levels and the like and, and how we've all well done at NRC um, but then also branching into a new market that I think everyone's tried to tap into um, but haven't focused on it they sort of just want to grab it and, and run with it we're actually putting time and attention into it and instead of focusing initially just on the top 35 professional players it's how do we grow the game within the community and get the community support and community following and create pathways for every region we want to go into and we feel if we can do that um, a long term goal is like I said to have one of the pinnacle rugby t- tournaments in the world but then also create um, greater competition between um, what now are known as tier 2 nations to become tier 1 and, and rep- be represented at World Cup but also go to quarters, semis and, and win World Cups um, I think be quite amazing in a couple of years time um, quite possibly even this year if you see the likes of Fiji go into semi-finals and finals for, for a World Cup I think that would change the game forever yeah, absolutely, and it is interesting kind of seeing those those Tier 2 nations and the actual amount of potential that they have. It's kind of interesting you touch on a lot of those those teams and those uh, kind of the, the actual mar- potential markets. What sort of teams have has glo- the, the, the Global Rapper Rugby been looking at? What sort of teams might be added? I mean, I've seen obviously talks about there was a team, there's a team planned for Hawaii. I even saw there was talk of a Western Sydney team. You know how how are those? Is there a clear sense yet of how of, of which teams, what the makeup of those teams will be, and how those teams will be coordinated and organised? Um, so obviously we've got a pretty clear strategic plan um, internally that we're working on um, and scoping um, what twenty twenty and beyond looks like and how we scale this up and down um, based on the product. Our biggest focus is uh, geographical. Um, area that we're focusing on so obviously Asian markets and the Pacific um, is where we focus on but then obviously working on um, getting the right teams and right mix I think you got to balance populations with performance and, and what we're doing now and if you look at Hong Kong and what they've achieved with the, the Rugby Sevens over many years um, why can't we look at doing the same thing for Rugby Fifteens there yeah, it's uh, yeah, and it, it is interesting seeing kind of all of those rising markets and seeing that there's potential there. Um, in terms of the actual competition within Australia, though, it has kind of I mean, there's been a lot of back and forth within the media and within different different rugby groups about where global rapid rugby fits in uh, to the into the kind of the current Australian framework, and I think. I think it was the force coach, Todd Sampson, who mentioned about the game that has to evolve and, and change. Um, and I'm kind of curious, I know that, you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of talk between 
um, your team and Rugby Australia. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about that if I can, because I know Twiggy has said a lot of positives around the likes of, of Raylene Castle and the work she does, but what kind of is the current state of how the competition is with, with Rugby Australia? And how do you and also them envision the competition within the Australian rugby landscape going forward? Yeah, so if we at uh, Rapid Rugby focus on, on Australia, I think us and Rugby Australia's goals are pretty similar and are pretty aligned. We want uh, Australia Wallabies to be successful um, and we want to grow the game and build the numbers. And if we can both work together to achieve those outcomes, it's for the benefit of the game. And I think over the last 12, 12 months, we've gone from um, being seen as enemies or trying to change the game um, with our sheer focus in Australia is to grow the game um, increase the number of professional athletes that we have um, bring Wallabies that are playing overseas home and then ultimately do the best we can to make Australia an excess, a successful union Yeah, it's it is interesting that you, you mentioned on that because I mean this competition has kind of come around at what is a really interesting time for Aussie rugby because Super Rugby is, is very much in a process of transition. There's teams being cut next year. Um, there's talk of, of, of its future. And then you've also got the talk about TV money and what the next deal will look like and what the future of the landscape is. For Global ra- Rapid Rugby, is everything determined by... In terms of... Because I know that the... the Rugby Australia has kind of voiced their support for the competition, but is it always is it determined by um, Rugby Australia's commitment, or is it also determined by other things that that happen in terms of the outcome of Super Rugby? Um, it's probably a tough question to answer. I think you you don't solely look at Super Rugby or Australian Rugby. I mean, I think you look at the global game, and I think there's so many moving chess pieces um, at the moment. And everyone's trying to see where they fit or what the best recommendations are. So we have to place ourselves in the best position. Um, our clear vision, our clear strategy is one that is slightly different to others, and that's the Asian Pacific market. So um, we're working uh, that to get a foothold on that area, and, and obviously we've got a clean, clear line of sight of what we're doing. Um, and what we want to do for, say, the Western Force is align it with um, some of this strategic goals of um, Australia so we've got a clear vision Um, I can't probably answer where we actually place in in that pyramid of of movements at the moment but I don't think anyone can um, because the global market is changing at the moment Um, what we can't do is stop and wait and see what everyone else is doing I think we're taking the approach of of let's put our um, flag in the sand our our foot down and and march forward yeah um, so kind of Interesting you're talking about where where the force fits. So going back to kind of what's happening this year, so following on from the the, the Pacific Showcase, the force will still have a couple of games. They've got the NRC. And I noticed you're, you're also planning a uh, Bledisloe Showcase as well. So there's still yep. plenty of, of rugby happening out west. So who will you be locking? Is there any clear idea of who you'll be looking to play in that showcase? And how will rug, uh, Rapid Rugby be involved around that, particularly, you know, with the opportunity for exposure because you've got something like the the Bledisloe coming to Perth, which doesn't happen that often? Yeah, I think um, what we're talking with the Bledisloe being here is actually, um, I think it's the first time the Bledisloe game's been sold out in the last 10 years, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and in what was foreseen as a non-rugby playing state um, is pretty incredible. So um, we've got the fan base and the following over here. It's us to give them the best product we can. And 
obviously over the next few weeks and few months we're we're doing a review of what's worked and what hasn't worked in Asia and then we'll do the same for Pacific and that can scope what 2020 and our strategic vision for for beyond that looks like so um, obviously at the moment our our limitations are are just geographic but I think there's enough quality um, and excitement and population and growth in those areas that we're, we're trying to tap into as many as possible. Yeah, kind of interesting you, you talk on that in terms of reviews and stuff. So will you be looking at things not just about engagement but also about in terms of interest, in terms of player participation, involvement in the competition, whether there's it has legs in the specific franchises that currently exist or going forward? Um, what sort of specifics will you be looking at? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I think, yeah, you named a few of them then, but also the rugby product itself, the, the following... Um, in-ground experience, what type of rugby they like, what type of entertainment they like, the viewership on, on TV, um, is that in pro TV, is that free to wear, is that online, um, and what type of combination of club works, is it a union-run club work, the best private investment or a combination of both, um, sort of all those things. I think what we have is freedom at the moment and we're not tied into to boundaries of what a team structure can look like and, and we're willing to um, work within many different uh, options to get the best outcome and uh, I think what we've proven in the last few um, weeks is that we're not scared of changing it and putting our hand up and saying no that wasn't completely right and, and adapting that and moving on which I think some areas of the game struggle to do that because of tradition um, we're happy to, to be the new kids on the block and, and involve to the populations and, and our followers Will that also come down to things like, like you mentioned earlier, talking about the actual rules in place, like in terms of speeding the game up, seeing what worked and what didn't? Yeah, I think what we're looking to do with the rules is I think everyone knows that we don't see enough of rugby in the 80 minutes, so how do we create enough rugby within that, but keeping the traditional side alone? So we we do um, conversations with fans, with players, um, multiple different levels to get the best outcome and, and definitely that's something that will evolve um, I, I won't say every year but every time we think the game is stable we can see an area of improvement to improve something of the game I think that's something we'll look at and we're happy to be that test test case for many of the other professional leagues that um, struggle to make the changes Yeah and it's, it's- it's, it is interesting seeing how those rule changes work and, and how it affects the, the view of the game. And kind of speaking on that, I mean, we, we've talked to, we have kind of talked around about things like the NRC because it, it, there is a lot of talk around the future of, of the NRC and kind of what will happen with that agreement in the event that kind of, for example, because obviously the fans are often looking to, to see as many force games as they can out west. In the event that, say, something like the NRC isn't happening anymore, is there a contingency plan in place for the event that things change with, for example, with that competition? Uh, yeah, yeah. like we, like I said earlier, we'll listen and, and hear everything and, and see what the global market does with rugby. Um, what we're doing is moving forward with, with rapid rugby, but what the rest of the rugby can is, is something that we'll um, be part of the conversations with and, and definitely we've got plans in place and ideas and, and different areas that we can tap into if required. Yeah, and kind of like as a as a last interesting point, because I know that you know Twiggy has pushed a lot of growth towards, and all the Rugby WA in general has pushed a lot of growth towards community rugby and junior involvement with the, with the Rugby Roos initiative that you guys have been yep. doing. Um, considering there's a lot of talk 
you know, these days, both, you know, within the media and within fan bases around how rugby can maintain connections. What are the, are the plans uh, to continue that into the future and how will that foster the next generation of force players? I think that's that's something easy that can be easy done. That's probably been lost in the last few years. I think if you remember back when you kid, um, it was great watching a, a pro player on TV and seeing him at the ground. But actually getting those moments where you actually get to touch and feel and see him up close and talk to him. Um, that changes a kid's life and wants to be involved in the game. So uh, what we're doing and what we're changing is creating more of those opportunities and, and that doesn't always have to be centric around rugby itself. It can be in different areas, different markets and at different times um, and giving access to, to more people more often is something that we're looking to do. All our players are hitting over 300 hours in the community um, from rugby roos, hospital visits, school visits, um, businesses and that and actually getting and being part of the community is, is where we're changing rather than yes being seen as role models but actually being approachable and being able to just have a normal conversation down the street with is where we're changing and where we look at recruitment a little bit different is yes the playing ability is one thing but what they do off the field is just as important for us yeah, and it is like something that does look like it has struck a, a chord with people I mean you um You've mentioned that you're thinking about linking up, that you have been a lot closer with Rugby Australia. Will you be? Is there plans to link up and liaise with some of the programs that they're doing? Because I know that that earlier this week they launched an Indigenous program around you know Dream Big Time. Will there be things similar like that going down the line that you guys will be playing, maybe hopefully doing with them? Uh, yeah, we, we already do already at the moment. Obviously, us being directly linked with Rugby WA, they do a lot of get into rugby stuff with schools and stuff, but definitely um, collaboration is the best way to go because, like I said, we want to align our goals. Uh, well, our goals are aligned, and that's to, to grow the game and be successful. So the more we can do to, to, together in different spaces and different markets, the, the betterment that's going to be of the game itself because, in the end, it's a, it's a game of rugby, and, and that's why we're all involved in it. Yeah, exactly, um, and it, and it is good that it kind of that you're talking about the nations, the notions of role models and things like that, because it, it that leads back to things, competitions like global rapid rugby and and what that comes to represent for for fans and and the like. Um, so for all of our, uh, our listeners, the Pacific Showcase will be uh, kicking off tomorrow in Su- um, in Suva with the Fijian Latui versus Kagiha Samoa, with the match kicking off at around three ten p.m. local time. Um, so for all our view, uh, for any of the viewers, they'll be able to watch the game on free-to-air television on SBS Viceland at around uh, 10 past 1 Australian Eastern Standard Time. And uh, the force, meanwhile, will be taking the week off and they'll be heading across to play Fiji the following week to kick off their campaign. Will you be going over with the lads to Fiji? Uh, yeah, I fly over next week to, to do some stuff with, with um, a few island nations while in Fiji. So, um, again... Uh, obviously, this year it's Fiji and Samoa, but it's also what what can do with for other Pacific Islands as well. So some exciting times for us in the next few weeks there. I'll tell you what, some time in Fiji does not sound too bad at all. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wish I'd be spending it on the beach, but it's going to be on the rugby fields. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for your time, Matt, on having a chat on the podcast, and I hope the, um, the showcase goes well, and it's interesting to see uh, where the competition goes next. No worries, thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. 
Alrighty, so cheers to Matty Hodgson for coming on the podcast and talking about the Pacific Showcase and the potential future directions of global rapid rugby. As a bit of a kind of a throw out for everyone, we are, um, Green and Gold is looking to try and, you know, cover more or more of the goings on within global rapid rugby. So if there are any writers out there who are keen, send Gagger a message, shoot us an email, comment on our Facebook page, what have you. Um, so that pretty much wraps up this week's episode, and we are looking to get uh, to get a bit more in, um, of these podcasts up and running again. We do have a couple of uh, podcasts in the works, but if you have any ideas for podcasts for us, drop us a line in the on the comments of uh, greenandgoldrugby.com. You know, follow us on Twitter at Gagger, or drop me a line personally on my Twitter, Nick underscore. You can also check out other Nick's article um, about the Sunwolves down in the description box on our Green and Gold Rugby uh, section for this page. So that pretty much wraps us up for this episode of the Drop Kickoff, and we'll catch you the next time round. Well, what did go wrong? I'll have to look, look and think about it, think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? A bit of genius, a bit of magic, Shirley Bombo. Very interesting. Very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sereli Bombo. Very good, very good.